welcome to The Readings Podcast, a fortnightly celebration of books. Today's episode is a live recording of an event held online, where YA author Astrid Schulte spoke with US-based author Kaylin Bayron about Kaylin's new book, Cinderella is Dead, an electrifying queer dystopian twist on a classic fairy tale. A quick note, as this was an event held online, there has been some effect on the sound quality of the episode. Now, to introduce Astrid, here's the host of the event, Readings Programming Manager, Chris Gordon. I'd like to introduce you to the wonderful Astrid Schultz. She probably doesn't need much of an introduction to this gorgeous group of people that we have here today. Uh, But you need to know that she's a young adult writer. She specialises in fantasy and science fiction. Her last book was so, so good, Four Dead Queens. It was launched at readings when we were back in the day when we could all meet and be crowded, where we could serve very cheap wine in very cheap wine glasses. But now, my friends, we are able to bring you authors from across the world. Astrid, over to you. Welcome. Enjoy. Thank you so much, Chris, and thank you to Readings and Bloomsbury for having me here. I am so thrilled to introduce Kaylin Bayron, author of the wonderful queer dystopian Cinderella is Dead. It's out now, as in today, with Bloomsbury. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, First off, yeah, I want to say congratulations on your release date. Thank you. About yourself, you're an author, a classically trained vocalist which Mm -hmm. I'm in awe of because I'm I'm not sure I'm tone deaf, but I'm not far off of it. So (laughs) anyone who has that skill, I'm always in awe of. You grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, which is very far away from where I am here in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you're known to be listening to Ella Fitzgerald when you're not writing and attending the theatre, watching scary movies and spending time with your kids. You currently live in San Antonio, Texas with your family and welcome to this part of the world and to your launch day. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this and and sitting here and having this conversation with me. I just, I've been looking forward to this for a while, so I'm very excited. We've all been looking forward to it. Your book is so fantastic. I, I love Sophia. I love her strength of character and she knows who she is and she's not willing to back down in the oppressive patriarchy of her world. Mm-hmm. And I just really love how you've taken this really well-known fairy tale and spun it on its head and made us think, you know, about fairy tales, what roles they play in society, what roles they play in our own lives as, as kids and how we grow up, you know, knowing the, these stories and, and what impact that has. So to start off, can you tell us a bit more about your book and about yourself? Yeah, so I, um, I mean, you pretty much summed up everything about me. I hate talking about myself. It's the most boring part. <laughs> it's the most boring part of everything. But um, Cinderella is Dead um, is the story of 16-year-old Sophia Grimmins. Um, she's a young woman uh, living in the kingdom of Marseille. And this is the place where Cinderella lived and died 200 years before. Um, Cinderella's story has become... Uh, the backbone of the society and um, young women are expected to model their lives after the fabled princess and Sophia um, is having none of it. She is in love with her best friend um, and she is preparing to attend the ball, which is now a mandatory event 
for the very first time and she goes up to the castle and that kind of sets her on a collision course uh, with uh, Mersai's ruler and it leads her to some really devastating truths about uh, the society that she lives in and about Prince Charming and Cinderella and the fairy godmother. Um, and it's really um, at its core, it's a, it's a story about kind of telling the truth and um it's it's really kind of my my love letter to my younger self um just to queer black girls just letting them know that um they are already the heroes of my story mm-hmm. um but they are they are they are the heroes heroes of their own stories as well even if they don't know it yet that's fantastic so how did you come up with this wonderful story i mean obviously it was your intention to write something that had that representation that you might have felt were maybe missing when you were a teen or how did it come to yeah um so i love fairy tales i always have um and it really it really cinderella's dead kind of came out of this um this feeling of being on the outside looking in i really wanted to um I really wanted to retell a, a popular fairy tale and Cinderella, you know, is pretty visible and pretty, mm-hmm. you know, even yeah. if you've never sat down to read Cinderella, you know, Cinderella. Sure. Um, and so I wanted to take this thing that felt kind of inaccessible to me. And I wanted to look at it through the lens of someone who, um, who would be most vulnerable in the kind of world of Cinderella, this very kind of heteronormative mm-hmm. patriarchal society um you know who who is most vulnerable there and i wanted to look at this story through their eyes um and so that's kind of where i started um and i'm just a huge fan of like hidden histories and kind of twisted you know fairy tales and and wicked is like my favorite retelling reimagining you know um i love the book but i also the stage plays you know the stage production is fabulous Mm -hmm. um so i kind of wanted to roll all of those things you know into into this story and so that's kind of where it started for me bit of a a side question that's just popped into my head would you or could you see one of your books or particularly this book being adapted into a musical seeing you do have that that musical is that something you'd be interested in doing um i would love to do that like that would be a dream come true now i don't know that i am like specifically like i'm no lin-manuel miranda i'm not you know gonna write you know the most amazing you know stage production ever but um uh i think it's something that i would like to explore um because you know i'm i'm constantly thinking in this very kind of theatrical way, even when I'm writing, I'm thinking about, you know, it's very visual for me and, you know, music also plays a huge role in that. And I, you know, I love to listen to soundtracks and things like that when I'm writing. So, um, so yeah, that, that would be awesome. I would love to yeah. do that. That would be so cool. We need like more YA musicals. I think that would be. Yes. Cool. Yes. I'm a huge musical <laughs> band too. So that sounds yes. my alley. Yeah. So with, fantasy world building is so important because it helps ground the readers and it allows them to suspend disbelief and follow you on this journey what was your process for building the world in cinderella is dead so um gosh so i know i knew that i wanted uh this world to be recognizable 
Um, in the really kind of early drafts of this book, um, we were much closer in time to the events of Cinderella. Um, I knew that I, I knew that I wanted to treat it like a real event that had happened in this kind of fantasy setting. Um, so in those early drafts, we were, you know, maybe 20 years out from the, from the um, events of Cinderella. But I really, really wanted to explore in this world kind of what the story the effect that the story had on these people. And 20 years just wasn't enough time to kind of solidify how dysfunctional this society <laughs> had become. Um, so, you know, kind of stretching that timeline out helped kind of flesh that out. Um, but the main thing was, you know, I wanted, I wanted people to feel like they were in a familiar place, um, but also to recognize that there was something, you know, it's this fairy tale setting, but there's something very kind of insidious right under the surface. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the examples that I kind of included are real world examples, um, things that really have happened and continue to happen. Um, and um, so, yeah, so all of that is kind of tied in. And, and I also, I wanted to incorporate magic, but I wanted it to be more secretive and more, you know, the people who are selling potions and things like that are not really legitimate. It's more, um, you know, it's more of a show. Um, so I wanted to include that too. Um, and um, I just wanted to, I just wanted to make sure that I could continue to kind of peel away the layers of, of um, what this society had become based on this fairy tale that everybody knows and everybody kind of loved. Um, and I really wanted to show um, how much of a, a, of a devastating impact that it has had on, on everybody, uh, mm. that lives there. So yeah. Um, yeah, that was my main kind of, my main kind of thought when I was kind of doing the world building here. Awesome. So with a lot of, this is your, your debut book, but with a lot of authors, their debut novel is not the first novel they've written. Is that the case for yourself? What was your, your story to get into publishing? What, was it something you, you've always wanted ever since you were a kid or how did that all come to be? Um, so I've kind of, so Cinderella is Dead is the, let's see, it's the fourth novel that I've written. Um, and none of those other novels should ever see the light of day. They should definitely <laughs> be burned. You know what I mean? They're, yeah, I know that. Um, yeah, <laughs> so, um, but this, you know, I think that sometimes when, so I always knew that I wanted to be kind of a storyteller. I wasn't really sure what the medium would be because I studied music in college. I was real, you know, I'm still into music. It's still something that I'm very passionate about, but um, I, I wanted to, to take a stab at writing. And um, the thing is for me, you know, kind of the stories that I read growing up, um, it, it kind of it kind of feels like I have to tell a story in a certain way, um, and especially when you're kind of approaching when you're when you're new to publishing, it feels like you have to tell a story in a certain way or about a certain type of person. Um, and I think that that's what I tried to do in those early novels. I think I tried to kind of emulate a style of writing about characters in a kind of structure that was very familiar um, to me, just based off of what I had read as a, you know, as a kid and as a teenager and, and through college. Um, and, but it wasn't until I started writing Cinderella is Dead and started writing it for me 
it was, you know, I said, I'm going to write this book that would have really meant something to me if I had picked it up when I was 15 or 16. Um, and so it wasn't until I did that, that everything kind of clicked into place. And so, you know, you know, whatever that is, the universe was like, look, you need to do this story. Um, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of how that, that came into, into being for me. But, um, yeah, I, I wrote, um, I wrote those three other books. I did, um, query like two of them, I think, you know, at some point. And, um, I, you know, and then when I wrote, when I drafted Cinderella and started querying that, I got a lot of pushback. Um, this was a story. Yeah. It was a story about, um, you know, centering, um, a black queer girl. Um, and I just, I got a lot of pushback. Um, and so I kind of, um, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to, to sell this book or to tell this story in the way that I wanted to tell it. But, um, you know, the stars kind of aligned and I met my agent and, um, you know, and then we got looped in with Bloomsbury. And so it really, um, it really has kind of done more than I ever thought that it could do or would be allowed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm amazed, um, every single day I, you know, I just, I wake up and I'm just like, this is a real thing. And so it's, it's really, um, it's really been amazing, an amazing kind of journey. And, um, I'm, I'm just, I'll never be over it. I'm just like, I'm still, it still blows my mind. It's still, you know, feels very surreal. So yeah. Well, I'm so glad that the stars did align and that the world has your book because it's so important that it's out there and it's wonderful. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, So with fairy tales, I've noticed, and I'm sure most people know that there tends to be, you know, the, the Disney version, which, you know, I'm a huge Disney fan. I'm a bit drawn to that. But a lot of the time they are quite sinister and grim. Like that's the the undercurrent of the story or even not even the undercurrent. Sometimes it's quite prevalent that mm-hmm. it is a dark story. And I was wondering why you feel that these kinds of stories are told to children who we would normally think would want the fluffier, you know, warm, embracing stories um, and what we can learn <laughs> from, from these darker tales as kids? Yeah, I, you know, I, um, I'm a huge fan of, of horror. Um, and, and some of these fairy tales are really very, like, you could totally group that into, to that genre. It's, some of them are very gory. They're very, you know, graphic. And so, yeah, I think that these stories are, um, you know, I think they're told to kind of um, teach a lesson, um, or lessons. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that you probably might expect that you would get a better kind of response if you, you know, do you ask somebody nicely and, you know, to do something or do you tell them a scary story that makes them be like, I'm never going to do that. (laughs) I'm never, you know, so, um, so I, you know, I get that and I am, I'm drawn to those, to those darker kind of fairy tales. I think mm-hmm. that Cinderella's Dead has that kind of undercurrent of, Definitely. you know, those, those darker kind of threads. And so that's something that I'm just, you know, really drawn to. Um, but those, those stories, yeah. And I, and then in writing, you know, in the research for Cinderella is Dead, I went back and read 
every version of Cinderella and um, Snow White and Rapunzel that I could get my hands on. And um, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, they're, they're kind of creepy and they're, you know, scary sometimes. And they're, you know, yeah, they're just kind of all over the place, but I, um, I'm, I'm drawn to that kind of thing. So I'm like, Hey, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to, I wanted to kind of recreate that feeling, um, mm-hmm. of those earlier stories. Um, but, um, kind of like I was saying, kind of like peeling back those layers and kind of figuring out, um, you know, why they're being told that way. Right. So which was your favorite version then, especially for Cinderella? Did you have one that, that kind of stood So, out? yeah, there's, so I, um, I, I think that my favorite movie version is there's a version that has Whitney Houston as the fairy godmother and Brandy as Cinderella. That's my favorite, you know, film version. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, probably the French translation of Cinderella um, is my favorite kind of, you know, read along. And I, I have a soft spot for the Disney film. I just do. Um, it's something that I, you know, watched a million times as a kid and, um, yeah, so I still, you know, even though I'm kind of deconstructing this story and tearing it apart and, you know, hopefully making people look at Cinderella in a different way now, I still do have that kind of, um, that kind of nostalgia for those, for those versions. Yeah. So do you have a favorite fairy tale in general? Is there, is it Cinderella? Oh. Is that why you were drawn to it? It's, you know, Cinderella is probably just the most visible for me like it's the one that you that you just know uh you know it I I think it's probably one of the first ones that I that I saw a movie of I think it's probably one of the first stories that I you know read um or was read you know was read to me um so yeah it's I I think that it's um uh Rapunzel is is really one of my favorites. Like Rapunzel, that story is one of my one of my absolute favorites, and probably Rumpelstiltskin too. Like that's a weird kind of, <laughs> you know, that's a weird kind of like what's going on here type of story. But um, those are those are my favorites. So yeah, Cinderella um, has a special kind of place um, uh, for me. It holds a special place uh, in my heart just because. Um, you know, I, I just know it so well and, and I was uh, exposed to it at such a, at a, a young age. So, yeah. Which ties completely into what you're saying in your book, like what you are exposed to and the, the stories that you're told as truths, you know, that really sets you up for, for you know, life and, and especially this, this society has taken it to that nth degree with, yes. you know, decrees. But, yeah, it's definitely something that you've, you've drawn the parallels to in your book, which is really awesome. Mm. So you mentioned Disney Cinderella. Are you a Disney fan? Are you, you know, are there any, you mentioned <laughs> Rapunzel, I, Tangled is my favorite, uh, favorite. Oh well, yeah. Animated movie. Yeah. I love, I do. I love Disney. I just, um, and I think it's because I'm also just a music lover. Um, you know, Hi. I love Disney songs like I but I also I think that I'm again most drawn to the villains like I love some Ursula and oh some yeah Cruella DeVille and yeah all of those yeah, so I like <laughs> they really do have the best music <laughs> they have the best songs yeah so yeah I love Disney I really do yeah awesome so what is there a particular book 
as a child? I mean, you mentioned that you were writing this really for, for your 15 year old self. Is there any other story that you wish you had as a kid that perhaps is out now or something you, you want to maybe even work on in the future? Yeah, I, um, you know, there's so many amazing books that have come out in the past, you know, uh, two years or so that I just, you know, I pick up, I read a lot of YA um, and I just, um, I picked up, um, well, uh, A Song Below Water by Bethany C. Morrow and um, You Should See Me in a Crown by Leah Johnson. Um, I wish that I had had, and also uh, With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo um, and her other book, uh, The Poet X. Mm -hmm. um, I, I return to those two books just over and over and over again. I wish that I had had these choices, um, you know, when I was, when I was uh, younger. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of, it's really about just, you know, seeing yourself, um, maybe for the first time. Um, and I, you know, I wish that I had had that for, for my younger self, but yeah, there's so many, I can't, yeah, there's so many. <laughs> it's great that there is so many now, like that's, yeah. And many more to come because yeah, yeah. so important. Yeah. Uh, so I, I often think about fairy tales and how they've been written so long ago, but yet they still have this impact on our modern worlds. Why do you think that is? Why do we keep returning to these these stories that were written so long ago? Huh. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, you know, I think that there is something kind of, um, storytelling is such a, such a big part of, of our culture. Um, it's, you know, sometimes it's how we, we pass down histories. Sometimes it's how we pass on information or lessons. Um, and so I, you know, fairy tales for me have always just felt like, you know, an opportunity, um, to kind of, you know, pass on something. But I think that, you know, on the flip side of that, and that's kind of a, you know, a silver lining type of thing, but like on the flip side of that, there's, you know, there's a reason that we keep returning to these stories that are about finding your happily ever after, um, you know, with Prince Charming, there are, you know, there's a reason why stories that kind of highlight villainous women are, are uh, featured so, so prominently in, you know, in children's literature. Um, and I know that it, you know, it, it kind of seems like that's, over the top and maybe overthinking it a little, but I, I think that it's, um, I think it's true. I think that there's a reason why we continue to go back to stories like that. And I think it's to kind of reinforce societal norms. Um, and, uh, that, um, but you know, again, fairy tales have, um, we have an opportunity to change that, um, mm -hmm. and to do things differently and to kind of provide a new canon of, of, of fairy tales. And so I think that, um, I think that we should try to, you know, I think that our, our young readers should have as many options as, as possible. Um, and it doesn't always end with, you know, Prince Charming. Um, sometimes it doesn't end with a romantic relationship at all. Sometimes okay. it's something else. Um, and, um, you know, having characters, um, at the center, um, who are from marginalized backgrounds is also hugely important. Um, mm -hmm. and, 
I think that sometimes it's okay to have, you know, a happily ever after with the Prince Charming if the character at the center is marginalized because we don't get that a lot either. We don't really get those happy endings. Right. Um, so we, you know, it's just, I think for me, it's just about the choices. We really just need all the variety and all of the, you know, the different um, options. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like you've kind of touched upon this, but what are the main themes and messages you hope readers will take away from Cinderella is Dead? Um, gosh, I, I think the main thing, the main things are just that, you know, ask questions, always question the status quo. Um, it's, um, you know, just because we've been doing things the same way for so long doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's the only way. Um, I also think that one person can make a difference. Um, sometimes uh, things feel so overwhelming and so, um, you know, kind of turned around that you feel like you're, you as an individual don't matter or that you can't make a difference, but um, you can. Um, your life, your existence, your identity matters. Um, and I also think that you know, if you read this book and you're, you know, you go along for the ride and you just really enjoy it, that that's important too, because it's, even if you don't share the, the main character's marginalization, you can still, um, you know, kind of have, you still have this opportunity to support something that centers someone else. And that's important too, um, because sometimes it's just not about us. Sometimes it's, you know, and that's okay sometimes. So, yeah. um, so yeah, so, you know, there's definitely some life lessons, but there's also just like, let's, you know, let's kind of go along for the, for the journey of this kind of fun story. And, you know, I think that, um, I think that in Cinderella is dead, you know, these, these kind of systems of oppression that Sophia challenges, um, they are working exactly the way that they are meant to work. And she understands that sometimes you can't fix the system. Sometimes you have to burn it all down. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that that is um, highly relevant <laughs> to yeah. some things that are going on um, in the world right now. So yeah, um, just take, you know, I hope you take, take from it whatever you can. Um, but um, but yeah, you know, it's all of those things kind of rolled up. Yeah. I, I think fantasy is so great in that way that you can basically provide it as a mirror to the societies that we live in and question things. And yeah, I think it's wonderful what you've done in the book with, with that way of just, you know, question the truth, like that you're being told question the status quo. I think that's a really great message to leave with readers as well as yeah. just enjoy the book because it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the book, I don't know if people can see it in the background here. I'm going to bring it forward and move my little glass slipper out of the way. <laughs> this cover is mm -hmm. stunning. What was your reaction when you first saw it? Like we, <sighs> Take me through the journey of, of seeing this for the first time. Yeah, so I, so I, have, um, I have a different cover for the U.S. version. Which but, is what um, I should say. Yes, <laughs> and, and I, had, I had that. I had the U.S. version. I saw that one first, um, and then I saw uh, the blue cover um, after that, and I was just, I was just like, this is 
amazing because I, um, you know, sometimes you don't get a say in, in what your cover kind of is. And, but, but Bloomsbury, you know, they were amazing. They came to me and they said, you know, what do you, what do you need? You know what I mean? What, what can we kind of do to make sure that this is right? And I gave them my, my list. And I was just like, fingers crossed that it, you know, that it's going to come out right. And it did. And I'm just, um, I have that cover, like I made a poster of it and I put it up in my, you know, in my office because I'm just like, this is, you know, I have them both side by side. Um, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, and the, the artist, uh, Fernanda Suarez, uh, she, um, she just did an amazing job. Um, so I, yeah, I am extremely happy with the way it came out and I, I don't think, you know, I couldn't have asked for anything better. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah. It's gorgeous. I love it. (laughs) So what are you reading now? Is there any recommendations you can give? uh, Oh my gosh. I have, I, I, so I'm the type of person, I don't know, but I read like many books at the same time um, because I just, my brain is constantly, so I'm just all over the place. So I just finished um, Mexican Gothic, which is um, an adult horror novel. Um, I think it's around. I mean, oh, it's so good. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's fabulous. It's it's quite uh, scary, but it's, yeah, I I just finished that and I love that. a Song Below Water by Bethany C. Morrow, um, and You Should See Me in a Crown uh, by Leah Johnson. Um, I would, you know, I would pick those up. There's also, um, there's also a book that's coming out called Legend Born by Tracy Dion. Yes. yes. And I adore Tracy as a person, and this book is going to be, this book is going to just blow your mind. So yeah, watch it. That comes out, um, oh my gosh, she's, okay. It comes out in September. I'm not exactly sure which date. Uh, I think it's the 15th. I think it's the 15th, um, but yes, um, definitely pick that up. And Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas mm-hmm. comes out tomorrow uh, here. So yeah, I, there's so many. And I, I, you know, one of the perks of kind of being a writer is you kind of get to see things early and um, it's, yeah. So all of those, yeah. Any of those, I love them. I love them all. Fantastic list. Uh, and what about yourself? You mentioned when we just, chatted earlier before the call that you're working on something is that something you can share with us is um yeah a little bit i um so it's another it's a ya um it'll be out next year it is a contemporary fantasy um Mm -hmm. yes and it is um set in upstate new york um and it is kind of i don't um i we haven't done like a title reveal or a cover reveal yet but um, I like to describe it as um, if Little Shop of Horrors and The Secret Garden um, were kind of rolled into one, um, that Ooh. this would, this, this would, if that sounds like something that would be fun for you, this will be yeah. right up your alley. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And any potential fairy tale retellings, other ones coming out in the future, maybe that you might want to? Read? I, I hope so. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much what I can say about that. But I, I, um, I hope so. Yeah. Excellent. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to do a rapid fire, uh, 10 questions. So if you can just say whatever pops into your head first, um, and then we'll, we've got a few questions that have come through from the audience. So we'll go through those. Okay. Okay. 
Plutter or Pantser? Ooh, a weird combination of both. Okay. Yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Coffee. Midnight or midday? Oh, midnight. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reading or writing? Oh, man. Oh, I can't no, choose. It's a hard it's, one. It, I can't have one without the other. I can't. So, yeah. Gotta have, gotta, right. I'll I, leave I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> forest or castle? Ooh, forest. Disney or Brothers Grimm? Oh, um, uh, the Brothers Grimm. Yeah. Uh, one of your characters you're most like? Um, probably Sophia. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Ruby slippers or glass slippers? Ruby slippers, glass slippers just seem like a terrible, terrible idea. <laughs> I, I love how you had that in the book. I, I was like, mm -hmm. whoever came up with a glass slipper was not thinking of the poor person who had to wear them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, magic power you wish you had. Oh, man. Um, my, I don't, like the introvert in me is saying, I just want to, I wish I could be invisible when it was, <laughs> when it was, uh, when it works for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Happily ever after or happily or happy for now. Happy for now. And that is number 10. <laughs> nice. Yay. All right. So let's have a look at our questions. So we've got a question from Annie. Hi, Annie. She says, hello, Kaylin and Astrid. Congrats on your debut, Kaylin. Thank you. I'm, I'm keen to know what gets you in the mood for your writing. Do you listen to particular music or is there a snack you enjoy? Um, I, I do listen to music. Um, I like to listen to um, like soundtracks that don't have um, words just because I can't, can't concentrate. Um, but I... Yeah. I love um, the soundtrack to Penny Dreadful, um, which, yeah, that shows that canceled now. But like the soundtrack is, is awesome mm -hmm. and it's very kind of atmospheric and spooky. So, and I write a lot of that kind of stuff. So yeah. Um, and then like a snack, I, I do like to have a snack when I'm uh, writing. So it's usually like, um, it's usually like a Coke and like goldfish crackers like it's nothing <laughs> you know it's nothing too bougie it's just you know just something simple but yeah we don't have goldfish uh here in australia but i love them so they're little like cheddar in biscuits in the shape of um of a fish uh, oh yeah <laughs> for those out there who, who don't know what goldfish yeah. <laughs> are, um they're really good uh so she also asked any of your other favorite fairy tales this is annie second question um i let's see so uh um um oh what's it called? uh the pied piper um okay. yeah that's a very fascinating story to me um so yeah i love anything that's a little dark and a little you know twisty um so yeah i just love fairy tales in general awesome speaking of fairy tales and twisty uh another question would you, have you watched the tv show grim 
I have not. Um, I've heard about it. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that seems like something that'd be right up my alley. I have to check that out. I, um, I, I did watch a lot of once upon a time. I was going to ask um, you about that one. Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. And that show, um, like after the first two seasons, it just kind of, it like, it was doing so many like crazy things that I just, I was like, what is going on here? But I just, I love it. it yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted it to be darker. I'll, I'll admit. I, um, yeah, that first season was a little too, too soapy for me, and mm -hmm. you know that that darker edge to it. Yeah. Uh, a question from Amy: If Kaylin could retell any story, not just a fairy tale, from a sitcom to a book someone else wrote to a musical, sorry, sorry, I worded that weirdly. I'm not wearing my glasses. This is why I'm squinting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really should be wearing them. Um, so, if you could con convert anything to a musical, whether it's a sitcom, a book someone else wrote, a fairy tale, any story, is there one you'd love to steal and tell yourself? Oh my gosh. Um, hmm. I mean, I, I'm not sure. Um, I think, uh, let me look at my bookshelf. I, um, let's see. I don't know. I think I'd start with my own. Like, let's turn Cinderella into uh, a musical. Let's start there, yes. and then I'll, yeah. <laughs> and then I'll, and then I'll uh, worry about other people. But I do, I do really just. And I said this before, but I just, I love Wicked so much, mm -hmm. and I, um, like. I know they'll never need an update because it's perfect, but like that would be something that was like right up my alley. So yeah. Um, but yeah, let's start with Cinderella. Let's, let's do that first. Yeah. I am. Um, I haven't read, read the book, but I love, yeah, the musical, the stage show, like the, the production just oh, it's fabulous and the costumes. It's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Uh, okay. Another question. Uh, what is your favorite part of the writing process? Um, I love, um, editing, like I love the revision process. Um, drafting for me is, you know, it's, I enjoy that part too, but, um, I know that the draft is garbage. <laughs> like I know that it's not, you know, it's not meant to be perfect. It's not. And that's something that I've had to kind of, um, uh, adapt to. I used to kind of give myself a hard time that this, you know, this, first or second draft is not, you know, it's not perfect. Right. Um, that's not supposed to be. No. Um, and so I have, function. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've, you know, I've leaned into the kind of revision editing process to the point where it's become my, my favorite thing to do. I feel like that's really where, you know, those first few drafts are me telling the story to myself. And then when I start to revise and edit, that's when I start to kind of turn the, turn the focus around where I'm telling the story to someone else. And that has really, um, okay. that's really helped me along. Yeah. yeah. That's a great way of looking at it. Um, Cause you mentioned you're a combination of being a plotter and a pantser. So you don't necessarily know exactly what's going to happen when you're writing that first draft. Right. Yeah. And I, I used to be very, um, very just, write it, you know, as far ahead as I could see. Mm -hmm. And, um, I still do that to a certain extent because outlining, um, outlining too much, you know, too many details to it, it kind of, it feels stifling to me. So I, so I, 
I kind of do a combination of both, but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Another question's popped through, uh, dream castings. This is from Haley. Sorry. Dream casting for Cinderella is dead. If it was turned into a film or a TV series or a musical, who would you want to play Sophia and company? Oh man. You know, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think that for Sophia, um, there is a young woman, a young actress. Her name is Lovey. I'm looking it up real quick because I know that I'm going to say Lovey Simone. I saw her on a Netflix movie. Um, and I was like, Oh, that she, you know, that, that would be perfect. Um, and then as far as Constance, um, you know, I'm not sure. Um, there was, I saw, what was it? I think it was the solo movie, like the star Wars oh, yeah. movie. And there's a girl there. I think it's solo. I could be totally wrong. I'm the star Wars fans are going to come for me, but, um, <laughs> it's, there's a girl who, who has, you know, um, you know, the red hair and the freckles and but she's also a black girl. Um, mm -hmm. so I, um, so yeah, so I don't know her name, but that girl, whoever that is, Yes, you know, that was solo. I, I know yeah. you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, we've got a few minutes left, so if you've got any questions. Otherwise, do you have any general tips to any aspiring authors out there? Yeah, um, if you, you know, especially um, if you are writing from, uh, um, you know, if you're writing as a, as a person uh, from a marginalized background, um, you know, we, we need your stories. And I know that it can be um, kind of a daunting uh, task to, to break into publishing. It's hard um, mm -hmm. for everyone. Um, but we, we really need those stories. The readers are, are there and they're waiting. And so please don't give up. Please continue to, um, to chase, um, to chase your dreams. And if you want to be a storyteller, you can do it. Um, I did it. If I can do it, <laughs> anybody can do it. Um, you know, it's, um, it's, we really need those stories. So yeah, please just continue to tell stories and don't give up. Um, and yeah, and also, you know, publishing is a, uh, is a marathon and not a sprint. And so, um, just, you know, just keep pushing. We, um, we need your stories. Well, thank you so much. I think that's a great place to end it. Congratulations again on your release day here in Australia. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> I'm so excited. So yeah, if you haven't grabbed it, um, readings, uh, you know, I'm sure they can help you out online. Uh, if you're in <laughs> Melbourne, you can't get to a bookstore. Uh, but it was so wonderful to chat with you, Kaylin. And I'm excited about your next book next year and, Yay, and everything thank else. Thank you so much. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Such a pleasure to have both of you here with us today. It's such a tremendous gift that you've given us, Kaylin, and you, Astrid. Uh, perhaps your next role will be something in television or radio, interviewing <laughs> authors, uh, discussing and dissecting fairy tales. I'm sure Sounds good to me. <laughs> to you both, you wonderful, wonderful women, on behalf of Bloomsbury, on behalf of Readings, and of course on Bloody Zoom, uh, a treat. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone out there. I will see you very soon. And again, to you, Astrid, to you, Kelly. Thank you so much.
You can stream previous episodes of The Readings Podcast on our website, where you'll also find all kinds of bookish recommendations and plenty of great books, music, film and TV. While there, you can sign up to our e-news or to receive the free monthly print newsletter, The Readings Monthly. Production and music for this podcast was provided by Tom Hoskins. All of our podcasts are recorded and produced on the lands of the Kulin Nation. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of this land and that sovereignty is never ceded.